the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking, as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. Now the generation of Christ was in this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Whereupon Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing publicly to expose her, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in his sleep, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which the Lord spoke by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is, God with us. And Joseph, rising up from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not, till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail, guardian of the Redeemer, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to you God entrusted his only Son. In you Mary placed her trust. With you Christ became man. Blessed Joseph, to us too show yourself a father and guide us in the path of life. Obtain for us grace, mercy, and courage, and defend us from every evil. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Of all the people I have known, with a true devotion and particular veneration for St. Joseph, 
not one has failed to advance in virtue. He helps those who turn to him to make real progress. For several years now, I believe, I have always made some request to him on his feast day, and it was always been granted. And when my request is not quite what it ought to be, he puts it right for my greater benefit. St. Teresa of Avila. Hey, hey there. Welcome back to Catholic with a Meditative Mind. That's right. The, the Catholic podcast where we strive to bring you meditative Catholicism for meditative Catholics. Which means that from time to time, we will go over aspects of Buddhist meditation. Not to mix anything. This isn't a bar. And despite my appearance, I'm no bartender. But we do this to analyze various meditative practices and what they may offer, if anything, when compared in light of our own traditional church teachings. Also that we can present to you the meditative side of Catholicism and keep you within Holy Mother Church. I'm your humble host, Adam Joseph Martin. I'd like to thank you all for joining me. And before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to uh, discuss with you all about what I've been working on for the past few days. You see, when I started this show, I had a vision. A vision of using the cosmetic surface similarities of Zen and Catholicism that appeared to resemble one another to make compelling arguments to choose Catholicism by exposing the traps within Buddhism Catholics so easily can fall into. Specifically for those of you who were considering Zen Buddhism, or for any of you who may be a Buddhist considering the Catholic Church. Now, I admit that while this could be seen as a noble endeavor, I was fooling myself, and somewhat mistaken to think a simple forklift driving layman with no official college degree or formal education on much of this could accomplish such a heavy task, even when aware of the traps and trying to distinguish, present, and warn others of them. I may have fallen into one or two myself. This is the reason why here in season two, I've been retooling the show and making changes in an effort to repair these mistakes. You see, it's one thing for me to be mistaken in my faith and to go down a road few travel and to explore this stuff on my own. To present this journey to others and to lead them down the same path is dangerous and can be damaging to the faith of others. After consulting with a much more knowledgeable and educated man than myself on the faith, 
who does have a PhD and enrolling in his various classes. I have more clearly seen this fact. So, I aim to repair it. Hence, why the name of the show has now changed to Catholic with a meditative mind, instead of using the word Zen, focusing only and primarily more heavily on contemplative prayer and the practices that Catholics use to engage in such. Now, I won't be going all over all of that in this episode, but I have gone back and listened to my beginning episodes on the pillars and have found where I need to make corrections. So, in future episodes, in between the other various episodes I will be releasing, I will be making new episodes on the pillars, discussing them and correcting where I erred. I only hope the damage I may have caused is not too deep, and that it can be repaired. So I ask that you keep your eyes open for those episodes, and if you're a new listener and go back to the beginning, to keep this all in mind. And likewise, to pray for me to gain the wisdom to accomplish this, as well to remember the fact that, as I like to remind you all, I'm no voice of authority, just a layman standing on his soapbox with his thoughts and ideas, who only wants to accomplish good and to help others see the contemplative beauty of Catholicism. And remember, like I said in the first episode of this season, like in Proverbs 27:17, iron sharpens iron, and in like ways man sharpens man. Please, if you find me to be mistaken when weighing my words to the teaching of Holy Mother Church, email the show, and I will work to correct those mistakes. So now that I've read you all that, I, I typed that out before I started recording. I have much of this episode typed out because it's a long one, uh, but it's a good one. Today we are going to dedicate today's episode to one of my favorite saints, uh, one that I bear the name of, my middle name, and that is Saint Joseph. <laughs> For two reasons. March is the month of Saint Joseph, and this year is the year of Saint Joseph. So I thought it would be uh, very appropriate to do an episode all about Saint Joseph. We're going to talk about Saint Joseph. We're going to talk about the, the decrees that made this year the year of Saint Joseph. And, uh, and then I'm going to give you guys a couple prayers and devotions and some other things like that that I find particularly uh, beautiful to Saint Joseph that you can use this year and throughout the rest of the month to honor the, uh, as I've heard him called, the greatest saint next to only, the, the only saint greater than Saint Joseph, our Holy Mother. 
So now it's important to remember St. Joseph. He is a ex very good example of the faith, not just faith, but humility. Most of the time you don't hear from. And I don't mean when you pray to him. I mean in scripture. He's not the most vocal. And in fact, he, uh, I've heard it said before that when St. Joseph sleeps, demons flee in terror. <laughs> Indeed, because as you heard when I read that opening passage, that when he's sleeping, angels come and deliver messages to St. Joseph. Not just the message of our Lord's birth, but also the warning of King Herod and his plot to murder the child Jesus. So, but this isn't the only thing that makes Joseph not just special to me, but to the church. His love for Mary and our Lord is almost unparalleled. And his devotion to God's will is something that I try to uh, impart upon all of you as something we need to be striving to do. As a matter of fact, uh, I mentioned my pillars earlier. That's what pillar two is all centered upon, conforming your will to the will of God. And another thing is Joseph's prayer life. I'll read a little bit here, a little later on in the show, about his early life, which we only know by the private revelations of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. I'll read some that she wrote about the early life of St. Joseph, which was revealed to her. So, let's get on into it, shall we? Now, what makes the month of March in 2021 so spectacularly special is that the Holy See has declared this year to be the year of St. Joseph. Now, before we talk about the Holy See, let's talk about the Diocese of Charlotte. Now, I don't know how to pronounce the bishop's name, so if I get this wrong, <laughs> please forgive me. Bishop Peter Jugis officially declared 2020 as the year of St. Joseph in the Diocese of Charlotte during a January 1st Mass celebrated at St. Patrick Cathedral. The year 2020 marks the 150th anniversary of Pope Pius IX proclaiming St. Joseph the foster father of Jesus as the patron of the Universal Church. In his 1870 decree, now I'm going to do my best this episode to try to pronounce all these Latin names for you guys. Like I told you many, many, many episodes ago, I'm, I'm, I'm learning Latin, but I'm not taking a class in Latin. I'm just learning it as I go. And so if I get these wrong, <laughs> forgive me. Um, but in the year 2020 marks the 150th anniversary of Pope Pius IX proclaiming St. Joseph the foster father of Jesus as the patron of the Universal Church in his 1870 decree, Quemed Modum Deus. Last fall, Bishop Jugis announced his intention to mark the anniversary by devoting the entire year to St. Joseph. St. Joseph 
can be our model in holiness, he continued. St. Joseph was with Jesus every day. He lived with God in the flesh every day. He carried Jesus in his arms. He held him. He took care of Jesus. Now, I want to pause there for good reason. Um, if you notice the background behind me, it's the Blessed Mother holding the child Jesus. And now for this episode, I'm going to, if you give me a second here, I'm going to go ahead and change the background to better match the theme of today's episode. There he is, St. Joseph holding the child Jesus. And you, you can see some of his titles up here and, and over there. Um, and also, if I'll move out of the way so you can see, in the background there, you have the Blessed Mother getting some well-deserved rest and taking a little nap. I, just, I love that picture. It, it's, it's beautiful to me. Um, so anyways, moving on. He clothed Jesus. He taught him. He fed him. He did everything any father would do for his son. But this son is the son of God. This continuous living with Jesus, being in Jesus's presence constantly, made St. Joseph holy. Just imagine, the bishop says, being in the presence of the Holy One in the living flesh and blood at every moment. What holiness would be communicated to you? Bishop, Bishop Jugas mar marveled at the crucial role Saint Joseph was given by God to protect and watch over Jesus as he grew. What an awesome responsibility. He had a great influence over Jesus, being the man of the house. And Jesus had a great influence on Saint Joseph, making him holy. God chose Saint Joseph to be the spouse of the Blessed Virgin and to be the legal father of the Son of God. His life with them made him strong in virtue and in God's graces. He lived with the two holiest, sinless people of the face of the earth. What a blessing God gave to him. And so that was in, as I said, the Diocese of Charlotte, North Carolina. At least I believe it's North Carolina. It could be another Charlotte. Um, later on, in a December 8th apostolic letter, Patris Corde, which means with a father's heart, the Pope said Christians can discover in St. Joseph, who often goes unnoticed, an intercessor, a support, and a guide in times of trouble. St. Joseph reminds us that those who appear hidden 
or in the shadows, can play an incomparable role in the history of salvation. As Mary's husband and guardian of the Son of God, St. Joseph turned his human vocation to domestic love into a superhuman oblation of himself, his heart and all his abilities, a love placed at the service of the Messiah who was growing to maturity in his home. Despite being troubled at first by Mary's pregnancy, the Pope added, St. Joseph was obedient to God's will, regardless of the hardship involved. And that's a lesson we can all take to heart right now. There's a lot of hardships going on in the world with all everything's going on in the world. And St. Joseph is the perfect example of to be obedient in God's will when we are going through these hard times. And your, your personal hard times, the universal hard times, any hard time. In every situation, Joseph declared his own fiat, like those of Mary at the Annunciation and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Pope said, All this makes it clear that St. Joseph was called by God to serve the person and mission of Jesus directly through the exercise of his fatherhood, and that in this way he cooperated in the fullness of time in the great mystery of salvation, and is truly a minister of salvation. Now the Pope continues on and talks of St. Joseph's relationship to the Holy Mother and his example to modern man of our times on how to love, support, and protect their spouses, not only in word, but as well in deed, sensitive in his love and devotion. Oh, I'm sorry. Indeed, mentioning his actions as the figure of a respectful and sensitive man. I will say that myself personally, sensitive in his love and devotion only. St. Joseph was chosen as the protector of the Holy Family for a reason. As I've heard many times, and most prominently from Father Donald Calloway, uh, a priest from the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and he, he authored the book Consecration to St. Joseph, which my camera's kind of not cooperating on that one, but we'll talk about that one in a little bit. As I've heard from him many times, the road through the desert to Egypt was perilous, fraught with bandits, wild beasts, and the ever-untamable elements. This speaks, at least to me, of his ruggedness and ability to physically be that protector he was tasked to be, as well as an indication that despite many depictions of St. Joseph as a much, much older man than the Blessed Mother, he was more than likely closer to her 
in age. The Pope continues, highlighting St. Joseph's creative courage, not only in finding a stable and making it a welcoming home for the Son of God who came into the world, but also in protecting Christ from the threat of King Herod. The Holy Family had to face concrete problems like every other family, like so many of our migrant brothers and sisters who today, too, risk their lives to escape misfortune and hunger. In this regard, I consider St. Joseph the special patron of all those forced to leave their native lands because of war, hatred, persecution, and poverty, the Pope said. Now, I'm not going to read everything that the Pope said, but I will provide links to all the sources I used in making today's episode in the description boxes for the podcast and the YouTube video. So if you want to find out what I used to put together, I have everything written out right here. If uh, you want to go to those sources and, and read about all this for yourself, you are more than welcome. Now, in regards to the benefits of it being the year of St. Joseph, the Apostolic Penitentiary, a Vatican tribunal that deals with matters of conscience, also issued a decree on December 8th, stating that plenary indulgences will be granted to Catholics not only through prayer and penance, but also through acts of justice, charity, and piety dedicated to the foster father of Jesus. Among the conditions for receiving an indulgence are a spirit detached from sin, receiving sacramental confession as soon as possible, receiving communion, the sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist, as soon as possible, and praying for the Holy Father's intentions. However, the decree also highlighted several ways to obtain the indulgence throughout the year, including to those who meditate on the prayer of the Our Father for at least 30 minutes, or take part in a spiritual retreat of at least one day that includes a meditation on Saint Joseph. As a just man, the document continues, who guarded the intimate secret that lies at the bottom of the heart and soul. St. Joseph practiced the virtue of justice in full adherence to the divine law, which is the law of mercy. Therefore, those who, following the example of St. Joseph, will perform a corporal or spiritual work of mercy, will also be able to obtain the gift of the plenary indulgence, it said. Indulgences will also be granted to families and engaged couples who recite the rosary. We're big on rosaries around here, aren't we? <laughs> but it will be granted to families and engaged couples who recite the rosary together and thus imitate the same climate of communion, love, and prayer lived in the Holy Family.
other acts of devotion include entrusting one's daily activities and prayers for dignified employment to St. Joseph, reciting the litany or any legitimately approved prayer to St. Joseph. Now, to give you an example of one of the prayers or entrusting one's daily activities and prayers uh, to St. Joseph, I have right here the card that I take with me to work every morning. It's the card that has the prayer to St. Joseph, patron of workers on the back. Now, it's not a picture of St. Joseph, obviously. obviously. Uh, it's just a guy doing some work, right? But I try to take this with me to work every day and pray this before I begin my work. Now, if I forget, you know, obviously I'll stop my work, pull this out and start praying. Um, but this is just an example of the kind of thing they're talking about. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed Saint Joseph, patron of all working people, obtain for me the grace to labor in a spirit of penance for the atonement of my many sins. Help me to be conscientious in my work, so that I may give as full a measure as I have received. May I labor in a spirit of thankfulness and joy, ever mindful of all the gifts I have received from God that enable me to perform these tasks. Permit me to work in peace, patience, and moderation keeping in mind the account I must one day give of time lost, talents unused, good omitted, and vanity of success, so fatal to the work of God. Glorious Saint Joseph, may my labors be all for Jesus, all through Mary, and all after your holy example in life and in death. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So that's just kind of an example of entrusting, how did they put it? Where, where, where'd it go? Uh, entrusting one's daily activities and prayers dignif for dignified, dignified employment. This prayer, you're literally asking St. Joseph to help you be the best worker <laughs> that you can be. I'd call that dignified employment. Um, So let's talk about St. Joseph. Let's go back. Let's talk about the when the feast day, when his feast days are. Let's talk, you know, let's read a little bit about Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich and her visions of St. Joseph in his early life. Um, yeah. And then after all that, we'll get to the very end and I will tell you kind of what he means to me and kind of my family. We call him, uh, I, I, I at least, call him my family's unofficial patron, and I'll explain why later on. So, according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, the apocryphal date for Joseph's birth is 90 BC in Bethlehem, and the apocryphal date of his death is July 20th AD in Nazareth. Joseph Oh, I'm sorry, A.D. 18 in Nazareth, so the year 18. Joseph is the patron saint of the dying because 
assuming he died before Jesus's public life. He died with Jesus and Mary close to him, the way we would all like to leave this earth. Joseph is also the patron saint of the universal church. Families, fathers, expectant mothers, pregnant women, travelers, immigrants, house sellers and buyers, craftsmen, engineers, and working people in general. I do want to say one thing real quick about the house sellers and buyers. Now, if you buy a St. Joseph's house selling kit and you practice it or, or you, you bury them in the ground and you expect your house to be sold because you buried the statue in the ground, you're really close to bordering on superstition, not faith. So be very careful in, 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 in doing that. I don't want to spend too much time on it. I just wanted to mention that in passing. So we celebrate two feast days for St. Joseph. March 19th for Joseph, the husband of Mary. And May 1st for Joseph, the worker. March 19th has been the most commonly celebrated feast day for Joseph. And it wasn't until 1955 that Pope Pius XII established the feast of St. Joseph the Worker to be celebrated on May 1st. This is also May Day, International Workers' Day, and believed to reflect Joseph's status as the patron of workers. So now everything we know about the husband of Mary and the foster father of Jesus comes from scripture, as well as private revelations to various saints and mystics, such as John of the Cross and Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, who wrote in her book, The Life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Diverting for a small stint to discuss the early life of St. Joseph, which was revealed to her. Speaking of his early life and childhood home as a young boy. Quote, G Joseph and his brothers lived in the upper story, and their teacher, an aged Jew, lived in the topmost building. They all slept in a circle in one room, in the middle of the story, which was surrounded by the gallery. Their sleeping places were carpets rolled up against the wall in the daytime and separated by removable screens. I have often seen them playing up there in their rooms. They had toys in the shape of animals. And Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, when she, when she saw an animal, she didn't really know what it was. She called it a pug. <laughs> so, I, yeah. Um, they had toys in the shape of animals. I also saw how their teacher gave them all kinds of strange lessons, which I did not rightly understand. I saw him making all kinds of figures on the ground with sticks, and the boys had to walk on these figures. Then I saw the boys walking on other figures and pushing the sticks apart, placing them differently and rearranging them and making various measurements at the same time. I saw their parents, too. They did not trouble much about their children, 
and had little to do with them. They seemed to be, to me, to be neither good nor bad. Joseph, whom I saw in this vision at about the age of eight, was very different in character from his brothers. He was very gifted and was a very good scholar. But he was simple, quiet, devout, and not at all ambitious. His brothers knocked him about and played all kinds of tricks on him. I saw herbs, bushes, and little trees in the boys' gardens, and I saw how Joseph's brothers often went in secret to his garden and trampled or uprooted something in it. They made him very unhappy. I often saw him under the colonnade in the outer court, kneeling down with his face to the wall, praying with outstretched arms. And I saw his brothers creep up and kick him. I once saw him kneeling like this, when one of them hit him on the back. And as he did not seem to notice it, he repeated this attack with such violence that poor Joseph fell forward onto the hard stone floor. From this, I realized that he was not in a waking condition, but had been in an ecstasy of prayer. When he came to himself, he did not lose his temper or take revenge, but found a hidden corner where he continued his prayer. Speaking of either teachers or maids of Joseph's family, she writes, I often saw them going in and out of the house on various errands. They carried water in, washed and swept, closed the gratings in front of the windows, rolled up the beds against the walls, and placed wickerwork screens in front of them. I saw Joseph's brothers sometimes talking to these maid servants or helping them with their work and joking with them. Joseph did not do this. He was serious and solitary. Joseph's parents were not very well satisfied with him. They wanted him to use his talents in some worldly profession, but he had no inclination for that. He was too simple and unpretentious for them. His only inclination was towards prayer and quiet work at some handicraft. When he was about 12 years old, I often saw him go to the other side of Bethlehem to escape from his brother's perpetual teasing, not far from the future cave of the Nativity. There was a little community of pious women, women belonging to the Essenes, who dwelt in a series of rock chambers in a hollowed-out part of the hill on which Bethlehem stood. They tended little gardens near their dwelling and taught the children of other Essenes 
little Joseph, went to visit these women. And I often used to see him escaping from his brother's teasing to go to them and join in their prayers, which they had read by the light of a lamp in their cave from a scroll hanging on the wall. I also saw him visiting the caves of which one was afterwards the birthplace of our Lord. He prayed there quite alone or made all kinds of little things out of wood. For there was an old carpenter who had his workshop near these Essenes, with whom Joseph spent much of his time. He helped him with his work, and so little by little learnt his craft. The art of measuring, which he had practiced at home under his master's tuition, was here of great use to him. Now, of course, these uh, are private revelations, and now these being private revelations, the faithful are free to believe or not to believe the visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich and others. I myself do, and find them extremely illuminating and quite captivating. Now, what do we know about St. Joseph based upon scripture, right? So that's what we know of St. Joseph if you believe in the visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. But what about scripture? What does it say about Joseph in scripture? Or what can we infer about Joseph based upon sacred scripture? We know he was a carpenter, a working man. For the skeptical Nazarenes ask about Jesus, is this not the carpenter's son? Matthew 13.55 He wasn't rich, for when he took Jesus to the temple to be circumcised and Mary to be purified, he offered the sacrifice of two turtle doves or a pair of pigeons, allowed only for those who could not afford a lamb. Luke 2.24. Despite his humble work and means, Joseph came from a royal lineage. Luke and Matthew disagree some about the details of Joseph's genealogy, but they both, they both mark his descent from David, the greatest king of Israel. Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 through 16 and Luke Chapter 3, verses 23 through 38. Indeed, the angel who first tells Joseph about Jesus greets him as son of David, a royal title also used for Jesus. We know Joseph was a compassionate and caring man. When he discovered Mary was pregnant after they had been betrothed, he knew the child was not his, but was as yet unaware that she was carrying the Son of God. He knew women accused of adultery could be stoned to death. So he resolved to send her away quietly, not to expose her to shame or any cruelty. However, 
when an angel came to Joseph in a dream and told him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He did as the angel told him, and took Mary as his wife. Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. When the angel came again to tell him that his family was in danger, he immediately left everything he owned, all his family and friends, and fled to a strange country with his young wife and baby. He waited in Egypt without question until the angel told him it was safe to go back. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. We know that jo Joseph loved Jesus. His one concern was for the safety of this child entrusted to him. Not only did he leave his home to protect Jesus, but upon his return settled in the obscure town of Nazareth out of fear for his life. When Jesus stayed in the temple, we are told, Joseph, along with Mary, searched with great anxiety for three days for him. Luke chapter 2 verse 48. We also know that Joseph treated Jesus as his own son. For over and over, the people of Nazareth say of Jesus, Is this not the son of Joseph? Luke chapter 4 verse 22. Clearly, sacred scripture can give us much of an insight into St. Joseph his devotion to God, and the love he had for Mary and our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, we can see these things manifesting at a much younger age, and that these traits and his mannerisms were with St. Joseph for most all of his life. So, now... We've gone over what scripture has to say about Joseph, what mystics have to say about Joseph. We talked about the year of St. Joseph. Um, I want to circle back around to the month of March being the month of St. Joseph. Well, because it is March 6th when I'm currently recording this. I don't know when I'll have a chance to get it all put together and upload it for all of you. But today is March 6th. It's to be still in the early, early part of March. This is the month of St. Joseph, within the year of St. Joseph. If there's ever any time, ever a time, to really devote yourself to praying to St. Joseph, now's the time. So, circling around, uh, back to the month of March being the month of St. Joseph, Holy Scripture proclaims him as a just man, as we heard when... I read the Bible 
verse. And the church has turned to Joseph for his patronage and protection. Pope Leo XIII, in his encyclical, Quam Quam Plodius, on the devotion to St. Joseph in 1889, explains why we place so much trust in this saint. Thus, in giving Joseph the Blessed Virgin as spouse, God appointed him to be not only her life's companion, the witness of her maidenhood, the protector of her honor, but also, by virtue of the conjugal tie, a participator in her sublime dignity. And Joseph shines among all mankind by the most august dignity, since by divine will he was the guardian of the Son of God, and reputed as his father among men. Hence it came about that the word of God was humbly subject to St. Joseph, that he obeyed him, and that he rendered to him all those offices that children are bound to render to their parents. From this twofold dignity flowered the obligation which nature lays upon the head of families so that Joseph became the guardian, the administrator, and the legal defender of the divine house whose chief he was. And during the whole course of his life, he fulfilled those charges and those duties. It is then natural and worthy that as the blessed Joseph ministered, to all the needs of the family at Nazareth, and girded about with his protection, he should now cover with the cloak of his heavenly patronage and defend the Church of Jesus Christ. And that was uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth encyclical on the devotion to Saint Joseph. So now Saint Pope John Paul II echoes his predecessor a century prior to him in his 1989 apostolic exhortation, Redemptoris Custos, Guardian of the Redeemer, hoping that all may grow in devotion to the patron of the universal church and in love for the Savior whom he served in such an exemplary manner in this way, the whole Christian people not only will turn to St. Joseph with greater fervor and invoke his patronage with trust, but also will always keep before their eyes his humble, mature way of serving and of taking part in the plan of salvation. Now, I want to point out right there that that is an act of Catholic meditation. You're keeping before you basically what he's saying, keep before their eyes his humble, mature way of serving and of taking part in the plan of salvation. He's telling you to contemplate St. Joseph and to meditate on St. Joseph, how humble he was uh, and how he served and took part 
in God's plan for the salvation of humanity. I just wanted to point that out, being that this is Catholic with a meditative mind. <laughs> Michael D. Griffin writes in his book, St. Joseph, A Theological Introduction. The Church encourages us to be devoted to Joseph because he was a model in the heroic practice of all the virtues. The example of virtuous living that he gave in the exact fulfillment of the duties of his state of life is worthy of our reflection. Read the Gospel and you will see his faith, hope, and charity practiced under trying circumstances. He was prudent in caring for his wife and the child. He showed great leadership in protecting them and assisting them. He was religious in every sense. With that delicacy and sincerity of conscience that is proper to the saints of God. He was just in his dealings with God and man. He was conspicuous for his fortitude and courage. He was truly outstanding in the practice of virginal chastity. More, he protected and defended, defended Mary's virtue in the time of courtship and all during their life together. They had made a promise of chastity. And because they were resolved to live it for God, they were blessed above all others. While Mary inspired him to practice this virtue perfectly, he, as a real man, understood the profound meaning of her inspiration and how it came from a heart that was steeped in the love of God. Time and again, the church has made it clear that Joseph is not a saint for only a certain number of souls, but that he can help all men. So, Father John Hardin writes, in the Litany of St. Joseph, we say, St. Joseph, head of the Holy Family, pray for us. There is more hidden behind this invocation than meets the eye. We know, of course, that Mary is the Virgin Mother of Jesus Christ. We know that the Savior was not conceived of a human father. Yet, the Church has never tired insisting on the fatherhood of St. Joseph in the Holy Family. It is crucially important to understand that there are two levels of fatherhood. There is the physical level of providing for the conception of a human body. In this sense, Christ did not have a human father. But a father is not only to cooperate with his wife in generating a child, he is also to cooperate with her 
in rearing the offspring which his spouse brings into the world. We cannot exaggerate the importance of seeing St. Joseph as the true spouse of Mary under God. He was to share in her unique role as the mother of the Word made flesh, who dwelt among us. St. Luke tells us that on returning to Nazareth, after Mary and Joseph found the young Christ in the temple, Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and grace before God and men. Luke 2.52 What are we being told? We are being told that the Christ child constantly manifested greater wisdom as he grew in age. In God's mysterious providence, both Mary and Joseph contributed to this manifestation of greater wisdom in Jesus. So, as you can see, St. Joseph is a truly magnificent saint and role model for all of us, especially men. To live and to follow his example is to live in nearly full accordance with the will of God, which is something I try to make a point of highlighting on the show here as something we all should be trying to do, men and women alike. So what I want to do now is to go through some of my favorite prayers and devotions uh, to St. Joseph. And hopefully some of you can take a few of these with you uh, and build a stronger life of prayer and contemplation towards St. Joseph to help you moving forward through this year and the rest of the month of St. Joseph. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going off script now, just, just so you all know. <laughs> so if I start stumbling and everything, now you know I'm going off script. Uh, so what I'm going to show you first, okay, now... Not too long ago, I built myself a little mini shrine. You know, most, a lot of Catholics in the world, they build their own prayer uh, shrines in their house. They get crucifix and they get uh, statues of Mary and Joseph and some of their favorite saints. Uh, well, I, I built my own shrine. Uh, I do have pictures, but I'm not going to put a picture of my shrine up here on the show. Maybe someday. Maybe I will show you guys someday. But I do have... A, an icon of St. Joseph that does adorn my shrine. And so here he is, St. Joseph holding uh, the child Jesus and, and uh, lilies. Now, this stands next to my uh, the icon I have of Our Lady of Fatima. So it's kind of like I have a little image of the Holy Family always sitting there on my little a little shrine at home, um, and this the shrine actually sits above my bed, and so they're they're always watching over me while I sleep. <laughs> um, so I just I just wanted to show you the icon of Saint Joseph that I have. Um, so, in case any of you wanted to go grab one yourself, well, you got an idea of what they look like. <laughs> um, and I read to you two prayers. 
already of St. Joseph. Now, I do have a book over here that has quite a bit more uh, prayers from St. Joseph, but before I get to talking about that, I wanted to talk about one of the book that my software here didn't want me to show you. The Consecration to St. Joseph. And let's see if I can get it up there without it. Oh, see, there it goes. Okay, so the Consecration to St. Joseph is set up just exactly like St. Louis de Montfort's uh, Total Consecration to Jesus through Mary. Father Donald Calloway, I mentioned him earlier, of the, Amer uh, of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, he's written so many books, tons on the rosary. And I have quite a few of them out here, obviously, but I did use a bunch of them when I did uh, in season one, when I did the month of the rosary celebration and tried to do an episode every day. Uh, I used a lot of his book and I, I believe the recurring episodes I did, the warriors of the rosary, were his inspiration. Really, his book has the pages of pretty much every one I went over. I did, you know, use some of my own stuff every now and then for that, but I mainly, I, I was just trying to get out to all of you the history of the rosary and all the people who have helped build the rosary up into the present day into what it is now. But this book, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I sadly have yet to start it. Now, I have a, I have a reason for that. I, I have an incredibly large backlog of books that I'm working, reading through right now. In fact, I tell, I've told you all I'm a forklift driver in a warehouse. I have a book bag I take with me every day that I kind of strap to my forklift that stays there with me. I take about 10 books to work with me. I don't read many of them, and, and, and quite a few of them are only some daily devotionals uh, and prayer books. <laughs> but... There's, there's there's quite a few books I'm currently working through, and especially it being Lent, I have a couple books that I read every Lent. One of them, a Memento Mori book. If, you, if you've been a listener for a while, you can remember back to the Season 1 episodes on Pillar 5, Death, we talked a little bit about Memento Mori, uh, and I believe I did a Memento Mori episode. It's been so long, I can't even remember my own episodes anymore. But... One of the Lenten devotionals that I am reading at the current point in time is the Memento Mori Lenten devotional. But, so I have yet to read through the Consecration to St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father by Father Donald Calloway. You know what? Let's move that out of the way, shall we? Make this a little bit easier on myself. Um, it didn't work. <laughs> um, anyways... That being said, I did let my father read through this, and he got pretty far. Now, I don't, I, he wasn't doing the actual consecration, because that's what this is. It lines out a consecration for you to do you know, over a period of time, and then at the end of it, you consecrate yourself to St. Joseph. And we'll talk about consecrations in a future episode. It's something I've always wanted to do for an episode, uh, and actually to do the daily consecrations as episodes uh, so that we can all do it together. But uh, we're not quite there yet. But 
I, I just wanted to bring the book up and, and tell you that there is some really good stuff in here. I have skimmed through it. I just have not read through it. And there's some great stuff in here. Um, so if you want to learn more about St. Joseph and, and grow closer to him and his example, along with the Holy Family, pick yourself up a copy of Consecration to St. Joseph by Father Donald Calloway. It will not disappoint, is what I've been told. <laughs> so, the the next thing I was going to show all of you is uh, is one of my prayer books that I usually I try to keep it with me, but it's from Tan, the publisher Tan Books. And that's doing it too. It's Tan Books. It's got a little line on the front, and it's the Manual for Men. Now. This isn't specifically devoted to St. Joseph the whole way through, but there is uh, some prayers, and they have the litany to St. Joseph, and uh, some hymns in here to St. Joseph. So I'm going to go ahead and see if I can find a good one for you guys. It has novena prayers in here. You can read the Novena Prayers for St. Joseph. I'm not going to read that now. Here is the Litany of St. Joseph, and I'll read through this for you guys. Actually, as a matter of fact, why don't we pray the Litany of St. Joseph? Why not, right? So, if you'd like to join me, let's get to it. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Christ hear us. Christ graciously hear us. God the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity. God the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Holy Mary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Renowned offspring of David, pray for us. Light of patriarchs, pray for us. Spouse of the mother of God, pray for us. Light, chaste guardian of the virgin, pray for us. Foster father of the son of God, pray for us. Diligent protector of Christ, pray for us. Head of the Holy Family, pray for us. Joseph Most Just, pray for us. Joseph Most Chaste, pray for us. Joseph Most Prudent, pray for us. Joseph Most Strong, pray for us. Joseph Most Obedient, pray for us. Joseph Most Faithful, pray for us. Mirror of Patience, pray for us. Lover of Poverty, pray for us. Model of Artisans, pray for us. Glory of Home Life, pray for us. Guardian of Virgins, pray for us. Pillars of Families, pray for us. Solace of the Wretched, Pray for us. Hope of the sick. Pray for us. 
patron of the dying. Pray for us. Terror of demons. Pray for us. Protector of holy church. Pray for us. Lamb of God, who take away the sins of the world. Spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who take away the sins of the world. Graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. He made him the Lord of his house and prince over all his possessions. Let us pray, O God, in your ineffable providence, you were pleased to choose blessed Joseph to be the spouse of your most holy mother. Grant, we beg you, that we may be worthy to have him for our intercessor in heaven, whom on earth we venerate as our protector. You who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, St. Joseph, pray for us. So, you might have seen me throw up a little bit of a smile when they said terror of demons. That is my favorite name to know St. Joseph by. Because like I said earlier, when that man sleeps, demons run fleeing. <laughs> yes, Father Donald Calloway has put it before. Um, now I want to show you a picture of St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Let's see, where where is it here? There it is. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. You can see it's kind of like the other picture we have down here in the right corner. The St. Saint jo Saint Joseph Terror of Demons, the most interesting thing to me is him standing on top of that there dragon. I love it. And if you look closely, you'll see the child Jesus holding the lilies with the staff. The, 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 the staff sprouts the lilies out of the top of it, and the staff jutting downward into the neck of the dragon. There's a special symbolism there. And I'm pretty sure most of you can kind of guess what that is. The dragon, who that's supposed to represent, um, supposed to represent Satan. And that picture represents Joseph and Jesus taking out Satan. So, as a good visual representation of why we turn to Joseph, turn to St. Joseph, and pray for his intercession. But yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite, uh, favorite name for St. Joseph. So, I don't want to make this last for too much longer, uh, and I still have a little bit more to read for you guys. So, I'm going, to, I'm going to read one more prayer for you guys. Um, and this is from Pope Leo the Twelfth, Saint Leo the Twelfth. So, and again, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. To you, O blessed Joseph, do we come in our tribulation. And having implored the help of your most holy spouse, we confidently invoke your patronage also. Through that charity, 
which bound you to the Immaculate Virgin Mother of God, and through the paternal love, with which you embraced the child Jesus. We humbly beg you graciously to regard the inheritance which Jesus Christ has purchased by his blood, and with your power and strength to aid us in our necessities. O most watchful guardian of the Holy Family, defender or defend, defend the chosen children of Jesus Christ. O most loving Father, ward off from us every contagion of error and corrupting influence. Our most high, our most mighty protector, be kind to us, and from heaven assist us in our struggle with the power of darkness. As once you rescued the child Jesus from deadly peril, so now protect God's holy church from the snares of the enemy and from all adversity. Shield, too, each one of us by your constant protection, so that, supported by your example and your aid, we may be able to live piously, to die in holiness, and to obtain eternal happiness in heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So, that's that. Now, so those are the two books I wanted to present to you guys. Uh, Consecration to St. Joseph and the Manual for Men. They have pretty good resources to give you, you know, quite a quite a few prayers devoted to uh, St. Joseph. Now, going back to Consecration of St. Joseph for a minute, or Consecration to St. Joseph uh, by Father Donald Calloway. Recently, he released a new rosary. And as I told you earlier, we're big on rosaries around here. <laughs> um, so I actually held this up in one of my previous episodes, but they brought out what they call the St. Joseph Terror of Demons Rosary. Remember our picture here, right? The, the Terror of Demons Rosary. So remember that picture right there, the Terror of Demons. We'll make them a little smaller there, get them out of the way so you all can see. The rosary, well, I, I think it's absolutely gorgeous. It's probably going to be hard to, for you all to see with the background. Uh, beautiful rosary. Right here you have your crucifix, very classic looking crucifix. On the back you've got the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and the Chaste Heart of Joseph. Beautiful. Now, right here where the Marian medal usually is, on one side you've got an image of our Blessed Mother. Okay, and on the other is the Saint Joseph Terror of Demons image. Man, I love this rosary. I think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a manly rosary. <laughs> you know, you see a lot of rosaries and you just look at them. It's like, that looks like my grandmother's rosary. Not this one. And now I bring that up, right? Because for one, it's a beautiful rosary, and, if, and any 
St. Joseph Terror of Demons rosary that you do buy actually helps out the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, um, and it, 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 it helps them with their mission and everything. But because there actually is a St. Joseph rosary. Uh, now, I will read you, I have here, and it's in the uh, Manual for Men as well, they talk about the St. Joseph Rosary. So I'm going to open it up, I'm going to open it back up, and we're going to go to the St. Joseph Rosary part. I'm going to read you, I'm not going to go through the whole rosary, I'm just going to read about the rosary. So, just as Mary is universally honored throughout the church by the devout recitation of her most holy rosary, so too can we honor her spouse, St. Joseph, the guardian of the Redeemer, the Oblates of St. Joseph, an order devoted to the foster father of our Lord, are an excellent source for men seeking to center their devotional lives on good St. Joseph. The following version of the St. Joseph Rosary is of their composition. It's found at their website which I will actually provide you a link for. That was one of the sources I'm going to provide you with to find more prayers, novenas, litanies, and all that stuff uh, pertaining to St. Joseph. And the book uses this with their, uses it with their permission. And so the St. Joseph Rosary is prayed the same way as the Marian Rosary, just, you know, just like the regular Rosary. Uh, but you substitute the following prayer for the Hail Mary. Joseph, son of David, and husband of Mary, we honor you, guardian of the Redeemer, and we adore the child you named Jesus. Saint Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us that like you, we may live totally dedicated to the interests of the Savior. Amen. So you replace the Hail Mary with that prayer. Now I'm also going to give you a link to a video of Dr. Scott Hahn doing uh, another uh, version of the St. Joseph Rosary. He says different prayers. Uh, I'm eventually probably going to upload, you know what, I, just, I wrote something down here on my script. Let me just, my script, let me go ahead and uh, read that for you. Now, I won't be reciting, at least in this episode, the St. Joseph Rosary for all of you. I feel as though you've heard me talking for long enough now. But what I will do is record it, if I can, as a standalone podcast episode, like I did with the Luminous Mysteries, the 15-Decade Rosary, and the Seven Sorrows Rosary, meaning I'm not making a YouTube video for it, and that in order to access it, and to pray along if you'd like, you'll have to go to my show page on Anchor, which I will provide the link below. But I will provide you all with links to the webpage for the Oblates of St. Joseph, where there are quite a few litanies, hymns, devotions, and prayers that they have listed for you all to use, as well as a video of Dr. Scott Hahn talking about the St. Joseph Rosary and leading you through a rendition of one. 
The reason I may record my own, this is the part I was getting to here, the reason I may record my own is because he spends quite a few minutes discussing it before leading it, and the prayer he uses is different than the one listed on the website for the Oblates of St. Joseph, which is the same in the book. And I can also do some work and make a scriptural form of the St. Joseph Rosary if I have the time. I personally like scriptural rosaries. Uh, they give you a verse from scripture to meditate on in between each prayer. And the rosary, as I've said many times before, is the number one meditative Catholic practice, the number one contemplative prayer, the number one meditative prayer for Catholics. If you are, as I like to call it now, a meditative Catholic, pray your rosary. Get them beads up. So, real quick, I will read you the, the mysteries. Oh, you can't see it. Again, software. I'll read you the mysteries contained within the St. Joseph Rosary, as according to the Oblates of St. Joseph. And then after that, we'll go ahead and sign it out. I'll get on out of your hair. Stop talking and rambling on. <laughs> so, the mysteries of the St. Joseph Rosary. The betrothal to Mary. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The Annunciation to Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. The birth and naming of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. The flight into Egypt. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And the hidden life at Nazareth. Matthew chapter 2, verses 23, and Luke chapter 2, verses 51 and 52. So those are the mysteries of the St. Joseph's Rosary. So those, if, if you decide to pray the St. Joseph's Rosary, now remember the, um, the Apostles' Creed, the Glory Be, and the, Our Fa and the Our Father are all still in there. They're all still part of that rosary. So is the, um, the Hail Holy Queen. Those four prayers stay the same. The Hail Mary gets switched for the prayer from the Oblates of St. Joseph. So, that is the episode on St. Joseph. Now, uh, I did say something earlier about St. Joseph being the unofficial patron of uh, my family. There's a reason I said that. Um, you see, my middle name's Joseph. Uh, my father, his confirmation name when he was confirmed, he, uh, he chose St. Joseph. My grandfather's middle name was St. Joseph. Uh, my great-grandfather, his name was Joseph. So I, you're kind of starting to notice a trend here. And some, my, my father's brothers, some of their middle names were Joseph, and they chose Joseph for their confirmation patron. So he's, he's someone who shows up a lot in my family. So this is another one of the reasons why I... I I call him the unofficial patron of my family. Just like with St. Martin de Pours, who, uh, like I said, I did three episodes on him. 
he's my confirmation patron. And he exemplifies the kind of contemplative uh, faith and lifestyle that I, I want to present to all of you. St. Joseph does as well. Maybe not exactly the same as St. Martin, but they're both perfect examples of the meditative side, the quiet life that all meditative Catholics seem to embody and emulate. So I just wanted to say that there right quick. Now, to end, I would actually like to share with all of you a prayer I wrote shortly before I began working on this episode, which was very, very early this morning. We won't get into that. <laughs> so uh, we'll go ahead and say the prayer and then I'm done. I'll stop bothering you guys. So in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us by your most precious blood of which you shed for the salvation of mankind. If they but only turn to you and accept you as their Lord and Savior, cover the faithful, strengthen them, and protect them from the calamities that may come. Send your most holy mother, the most beautiful queen of heaven, down to protect those who believe in your name and to lead us to heaven so that we may praise you in your glory for all eternity. St. Joseph, terror of demons, guardian of the Holy Family and patron of the Universal Church, in this, the year dedicated to you, and in this month of March, as well dedicated to you, protect the faithful. Keep us safe from harm. Guide us into the arms of your most holy and sinless spouse, Mother Mary, and her most high and divine Son, true God in flesh, and our only means of salvation, Jesus Christ. Most chaste heart of Saint Joseph, protect us. Most immaculate heart of Mary, Queen of Heaven, protect us and intercede for us. Most sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for the salvation of the faithful and for all who accept your most holy name, have mercy on us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I wish you all well. I hope that this year of St. Joseph, or what we have left of it, treats you well and is as special for you as it is for me. So, pray hard. Pray to the terror of demons, the pillar of families, and the protector of the church. Pray those rosaries, get them beads up every day. Stay humble. God bless.
Hey, hey there, listeners. Are you enjoying the show? Do you want more content? If there was a way you could contribute financially to the show, might that interest you? Well, we've been working on that, and for now, we've got a way you can support the podcast. It's to buy CBD products from our affiliate link, which we'll put in the show notes. CTFO, that's Changing the Future Outcome. CTFO CBD is the fastest growing CBD company. Get excellent pricing on top quality organic hemp CBD products and support the podcast at the same time. According to the Harvard Health blog, CBD may help treat certain forms of childhood epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, chronic pain, arthritis, and may help to inhibit inflammatory and neuropathic pain. All 50 states have laws legalizing CBD with varying degrees of restriction, so check your local laws. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. Hey friends, it's Amanda. And if you love coffee as much as I do, and you're trying to manage your weight, I've got great news for you. There is a first-to-the-market coffee that tastes amazing and can help you with your weight loss goals. Isn't that crazy? It's a French roast coffee, only 10 calories, and it will help keep you full for hours. It also has nootropics to boost your brain and improve your focus, and it is made from five plant-based sources of caffeine. I would love to give you more information. These results will blow you away. For more information, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. My name is Amanda Wurtz, W-U-E-R-T-Z. Thanks, guys. God bless. The Prayer for Humility Lord God, we pray to you with all our hearts and soul that in your mercy you may deliver us from pride and grant us the inestimable gift of humility that we may not follow the evil spirits in their pride to destruction, but Christ, the divine master of humility to sanctification. May God, in his goodness, grant us this now and forever. Amen.